Reports of its demise were premature. It's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. The podcast that wants to grow up to be president. He once tried to defeat a brick wall in a game of tennis. Medicare expert, Doug Jones. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. I am your host, as you just heard, Doug Jones. I'm your Medicare expert for today. I want to thank my Canadian nephew, Drew McMillan. We'll be seeing Drew for Thanksgiving in a less than, less than a couple of months. I bet it's going to be a month and a half. We'll be in California, and all of the McMillans will come down from Canada, and the Joneses will gather in uh, Laguna Niguel, the uh, Austin, Texas contingent, and uh, the Arizona contingent will all gather there with the McMillans from Canada. And we'll see Drew and his lovely bride, Magda, and his uh, new daughter, Nora. And I'll bet you that Nora is going to be a year and nine months by the time we get to meet her. It'll be the first time that we've seen her, mostly because of the Canadian lockdown, the uh, response to the COVID panic. Uh, the Canadians were really uh, almost almost uh, prisoners in their own country. And so there are some uh, family members that we haven't seen for quite some time and one little Nora McMillan that we haven't seen at all. Anyway, we are here to help you feel good about that transition from Obamacare to Medicare. And people often say to me, why do you call your podcast Medicare for the Lazy Man? Why do you call your book Medicare for the Lazy Man? And the quick answer is I looked in the mirror one day and I said, aha, there is the perfect uh, uh, title for my endeavors because I'm a lazy guy. So then I said to myself, what would lazy people want to have for a, an explanation about Medicare? Well, I can dumb it down to that extent. I can explain the most important elements of Medicare in a way that lazy people would not object to. And in fact, they would walk away from the experience going, aha, I learned about Medicare without having to even draw a deep breath. I was uh, uh, educated in the least painful way possible. That was my goal. And it's not considered to be an insult to anybody. It is only a way of looking at a complex subject, breaking it down to bite-sized, friendly parts. So anyway, that's why we have Medicare for the lazy man. And often we, uh, we sail through most of an episode, and I often forget to introduce my good friend and uh, podcast engineer, Randy Carson, who is uh, a, a software engineer extraordinaire, among other things. And uh, he and I spent a lot of our time jawjacking about uh, old music, old cars, old uh, old cigarettes back when we used to smoke. We talk about a lot of different things. What are we going to talk about today, Randy? Well, I was thinking we might want to continue just a bit of our conversation. We were last podcast, we were talking about Iron Butterfly, Strawberry Alarm Clock, and Neil Diamond. There's a couple, I mean, there was so many, so many groups during that era that were just so memorable. And I'm, I'm not saying that there weren't memorable uh -huh. groups in, in other eras, 
But boy, I'll tell you, we had a bunch, didn't we? Oh, God. When you think of the names, too, Moby Grape. Uh, uh, God. Now, why do why is my mind drawing a blank? I can... I can yank for hours about nothing, but when I'm thinking about rock and roll groups from the 60s, when you get into the psychedelic era, that's when the names went crazy. And yeah. when I think of Moby Grape, Strawberry Alarm Clock's a good example. Um, Captain Beefheart, uh, there were a ton of you are like You're going, you're really digging back in the yeah. weeds now. <laughs> I sure am. I sure am. Stop me before I hurt myself. Oh, my God. So... Now that I'm drawing a blank, who was there? Was a fella, uh, Billy Joel. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen Billy Joel in concert? Never, never uh, have. Never wanted to. Uh, he. Oh my God, he's one of these guys. And I don't know whether you were an Elvis fan, but I, I was never a huge Elvis fan. But no, I me neither. A, On the other hand, the, the the Pickens were pretty slim when Elvis got to be popular in the mid fifties. Yeah. Yeah, I but I've talked to some people that are my age, uh, maybe probably a little bit older, that really, I mean, they would go anywhere in the United States, dry, ride a horse, fly a plane, ride a bus, yeah. do whatever they had to do to get there. They would go see Elvis wherever he was performing. No, and I'm they not told, in that group. Well, they told me that you cannot believe. They said if you went to see Elvis in person, you would come out as an Elvis fan now i never did do that but bottom line is they said he had that command over an audience that you just would not believe yeah you know i'm not surprised to hear that but i would judge whether or not i wanted to see a group or spend all that time or fight the crowds or whatever by the music and i wasn't i didn't enjoy elvis's music from the late 50s uh, you know, uh, actually, let's say when he came out of the army in 1960, uh, the music that he did did not inspire me, did not interest me whatsoever until he kind of went back to the rock and roll in the 70s. I think he spent yeah. the whole 60s under the thumb of Colonel Tom Parker, uh, who was a Kentucky colonel, which is an honorarium. My father was a Kentucky colonel. Nobody he didn't make people call him Colonel bill jones but um uh, the whole thing is that uh elvis was doing what caught what made money and he was doing it at the behest of colonel parker and i don't think he was really you know into the music either but um i didn't start enjoying his music until shortly before he died i think in the early 70s yeah yeah now it's i i just never well i was kind of the same thing the the music that he was doing just wasn't my cup of tea. Yeah. I, I, it was great music, and a lot of it was just I would sit and listen to it, but it, it just never grabbed mm -hmm. me. Some some music will just grab me, and literally, I I can't get it out of my head. I'll sit there and listen to it for days. I'll think about it for days, and I'm going to tell you a song that catches me that way, but I'm not going to tell you where it's at. Okay, Disneyland. Uh, the <laughs> oh, oh god ouch ouch i know where it is i know where you, it is you know you know what it is and you know where it is but i'm not going to say his name because then i'll be thinking about it for the rest of the day well i think uh if you'll go back to an earlier episode of this podcast alert podcast listeners are going to remember that i told the story of that song and yeah. how it came to be do you remember that story i I vaguely remember it. Well, you were hiding under your desk with your fingers I, in your ears. I was, because I, I, 
I literally, I'll think about it for the next month if you talk right, about well, it. Pull the plug on your headset, and I will tell the story again very quickly. Um, it is the most played song in the world, but it was kind of an afterthought. And uh, Walt Disney walked into an office where there were two guys, and uh, he said, I want a song before you leave today. So give me a song. I need a song. Get the heck out. You know, get get to work. And uh, then he went out of the office and uh, went away. And so the two guys were brothers and they had been in uh, the service in combat in World War II. And one of them had better experiences than the other. Uh, So one of them said, "Okay, I'll write the music and you write the lyrics. And so the brother that had the dour outlook on life, he had had a several bad observations during World War II, and uh, uh, he wrote the lyrics and uh, <laughs> and the explanation when you hear what went on, uh, the brother that had a more positive war experience wrote the music. And so eventually the two put their work together, handed it to Disney at the end of the day, and it became the most song or the song most played ever in the whole wide world, which I used to think was Happy Birthday. But it is uh, obviously it's a it's a small world after all. And yeah, Randy's going, no, no, don't say it out loud. And so uh, what happened was uh, one of the brothers had I don't know if he was uh, stateside or uh, if he served in Europe. Uh, or maybe in the Pacific, but the other brother had the unfortunate experience of walking into Buchenwald. I think it was Buchenwald. And uh, he was one of the first guys into Buchenwald and liberated the camp. And uh, they had a tough time because these prisoners were all near death and they couldn't just give them food and water that they could enjoy. They had to severely limit their, uh, their consumption so that they didn't eat themselves to death or drink water, uh, you know, and, and, uh, uh, they had, uh, it was just a horrible, sad thing. Bodies were stacked up like cordwood. Well, the reason I know what that was like is because my father was also one of the first guys in the Buchenwald and he has photographs that I have now that, um, show what that camp was like. And the stench was horrible. And the Germans had run away because they knew that the allies were about to show up and that it wouldn't go well for them. So, uh, that they took townspeople who should have known and who did know what was going on there, but never raised a finger to stop it. And they made them tour the camp and then dig graves and, you know, do a lot of the nasty chores that needed to be done. So anyway, the brother that experienced that had kind of a poor outlook on life. He was very depressed all the time. And when it came time to write that song, he wrote it about how people in the world ought to get together more because it's such a small world. So his wartime experiences inspired the lyrics to that song. And that's how it came to be. So Randy, come out from under your desk now. Oh, you're, I believe you are still. Is it, is it safe? Yes. Now you can uh, return to your duties. Oh my gosh. Cause if I get that thing started in my head, you will see me slowly, but surely degrade into craziness. Well, my father took my little sisters to Disney World when it was brand new, and uh, he came back and he was laughing. Oh, my God, that song just echoes in my head. And that was uh, in the 60s or maybe the 70s, I guess the 70s. He never really um, knew the connection. Had he known, I think he would have been awestruck 
that uh, it was all inspired by Buchenwald and what he had seen and what this other guy saw. Yeah, it's now that those of you guys who are musicians and songwriters, you know that whatever that song has, it has the hardest, most it's a dangerous hook. Once once it gets, every song that has a hook, uh, well, that's one of them, and that's got a hook, and I I can't listen to it because it drives me nuts. Well, I think it's the repetition, isn't it? That's really the destructive factor there. There, there's yeah, there's the repetition, and then there's there's certain chord progressions that really uh, are memorable to me too. That and that's not one of them to that song, but there's other songs that the the chord progressions just absolutely hook me. Well, these guys wrote that song in like ten minutes, so they could leave early. So, <laughs> frankly, it's like a masterwork. All it takes is one good idea, and if you can get a little teeny bit of a royalty off of that one good idea for the rest of your life, then uh, you know that's that's what we all strive for: mailbox money, I guess. Yep. Exactly, exactly. Well, you know something? Yeah, we had we better get to. We had better get to busy on some Medicare stuff, huh? One of my clients calling probably to tell me what a great job I've done for him. I just switched him from the very expensive Medicare supplement of Blue Cross Blue Shield of Illinois to the very, very um, inexpensive Medicare supplement. Uh, both of them were high value plans of um, uh, United American in texas and he's very happy to be saving something like 50 dollars a month he and his wife and uh, they have identical coverage identical coverage for a lot less money so uh, i offer that to my clients who i put with expensive companies early on before i knew about united american okay i talked about mail important mail that comes from the government that you should not ignore and the last time we had this conversation was just a couple of episodes ago and we discussed ANOC which is spelled A-N-O-C and stands for annual notice of change and that is a, a, a big fat envelope that the insurance company sends to those who have a Medicare Advantage plan or and or a Medicare prescription drug plan, otherwise known as a PDP. Many of my clients have standalone prescription drug plans because that is uh, a, a good accompaniment to their Medicare uh, supplement plan that I've sold them. People that have a Medicare Advantage plan often have the drug coverage built into the plan, which I consider a disadvantage because if the plan decides to change the drugs they're going to cover, maybe they drop coverage for some drugs and add other drugs. Um, you can't say, I don't like your drug coverage anymore. Drop that part of my plan. I'll get a freestanding drug plan and then everything will be fine. You have to drop your whole Medicare Advantage plan if you're being taken to the cleaners by your insurance company that writes your Medicare Advantage plan combined with your drug plan. So I think it's an advantage to have them as separate coverages. So ANUC is the big fat piece of mail that's going to show up once a year that will tell you in legalese and all kinds of fun to read government terminology, whether or not the cost of your plan will change and whether or not 
very important elements of your plan are going to change for the following year. And if you read and decipher that and find that your plan is going to change in a negative way uh, on the first of the following year, now you get this thing in late September, early October, if you find out your plan is going to go south on you, then you have an opportunity to get a new plan before the end of the year. And that new plan will be effective on January 1st. If you've got a Medicare supplement, and if I have selected the best drug plan for you, you don't ever need to worry about this. It's all for Medicare Advantage plans that can turn into smelly pieces of garbage and Medicare prescription drug plans that are of the same ilk, but they are uh, typically more useful. So anyway, I also uh, get a piece of mail regularly from the U.S. government telling me, what my uh, Medicare activities have been. And I think it's kind of instructive. This is basically, it's called a Medicare summary notice for part B. So it's uh, part B is coverage for anything that occurs when you're not an inpatient in a hospital. So a Medicare summary notice for part B. And what it is, is an EOB, an explanation of benefits. That is um, a term that insurance guys are used to because we you know throw it around all the time what does the eob say if somebody calls and says i got a big bill and i don't know if i should pay it or not and we would say well do you have an eob well i don't know what that is well it's an explanation of benefits oh yeah i got one of those right there so let's compare the eob with the bill you got well in this case this is equivalent to an eob from medicare and it covers a period Date of this notice, uh, September 6th, 2022. Claims processed between June 8th and September 6th of 2022. So basically, it has a bunch of my activity in in, uh, Medicare that is being reported to me. Now, they think I'm going to sit here and crunch all these numbers and tell them if there's anything amiss. They think I'm going to be very, very thorough, sit down with this, And frankly, they're barking up the wrong tree because once I open this up and I see what it is, then it's going to go right in the garbage can because there are very rarely any mistakes. But the government spends a lot of time telling us that um, the opportunity for fraudulent activity and uh, deceit is there and that we can ferret that out by looking very carefully at this multi, multi page. uh, I think it's like nine pages long. Um, uh, document. So I have unfolded it and I'm staring at page one and it says your deductible status. Your deductible is what you must pay for most, most health services before Medicare begins to pay. And in part B, it is, uh, the part B deductible is $233. Now I have an old plan F. And so I don't have to worry about that deductible, but frankly, uh, this is the kind of thing that is starting to get into the tall grass when you, you say, who cares? Because you've already, from June 8th to September 6th, you've already dealt with uh, the consequences of your medical treatment for the most part. If there have been, if you've been asked to write big fat checks to pay for the uninsured portion of your claim, that's already transpired. If um, you have... Uh, uh, been billed a reasonable amount of money, you know that it's reasonable and you're not worried about it anymore. And uh, that's 
you know, typically that's all ancient history. So uh, I have interesting, <laughs> I have an interesting uh, relationship with the doctors that I saw during this period because they were all on the telephone. I generally go back to Illinois every summer and I go see this doctor. I go see that doctor. I see my dermatologist and he shoots a lot of weird sun caused stuff off of my skin with Freon. And uh, I talk to a, uh, a surgeon, a vascular surgeon. I talk to uh, a guy who handles my uh, thyroid uh, problem. And uh, then I get to go back to Arizona and everything's been taken care of. So this year they were all on the telephone, except for the dermatologist haven't even seen him yet. And so the number of services denied one medical service was denied and see the claim starting on page three, look for no in service approved column. See the last played page for how to handle a denied claim. Well, boy, let's find out why it was denied. So I'm going to page three and I'm looking for a no in the column, which they said in the service approved column. So I see on page three, I see a yes. That's uh, the first page. Okay, there are a lot of page threes. I see a yes and a yes and a yes. Oh, I know why I have a lot of these because I have to take blood thinners. And so every once in a while, I report my score to these people that make sure that my blood thinner um, dosage is appropriate. I see nothing in here with a no. And so I don't think I was had any of my services declined. So the number of services Medicare denied, it says on the cover sheet, was one. But I can't find it. I'm looking through every one of their pages in this stupid multi-page document, and I find nothing that says that a, a Medicare service was denied. So what have I got here? <clears throat> My claims for Part B insurance on June 1st of 2022. Well, I think on page one it said, these claims were going to be from June 8th. Oh, claims processed from June 8th to September 6th. Okay. So on June 1st, I had a conversation with a, uh, oh, I, uh, with a coagulation. This is what uh, blood thinners do for you. They uh, stop your blood from coagulating. And so I got billed for uh, being overseen by these coagulation people. And the total bill was $36. Medicare approved $10.14. And because my deductible hadn't been paid yet, I was billed $10.14. Well, here's the instructive part of this. Here's a bill for $36. And what did Medicare approve? Almost 25% of it. It's like 27.5% of it. So they got it cut way, way down. That bill... <clears throat> should have been $10.14, according to Medicare. So they wanted to charge $36, and they would have been so happy if Medicare offered to pay $36. But uh, that wasn't the way it should, or it worked out for them. Same thing happened on a different date, and uh, it was a $36 charge reduced to $10.14. Then on July 22nd, I believe that was when, yes, I had a consultation with my thyroid doctor. And you may remember that I don't have a thyroid because uh, some pediatrician shot my neck full of radiation when I was a little kid in an effort to avoid tonsillectomy. 
Well, it worked. I'd never had a tonsillectomy, but I also do not have a thyroid anymore. So for this consultation, which was like 10 minutes on the telephone with this guy, he wanted to charge $123, but Medicare approved $96. So they cut it back uh, about 25% or thereabouts. So they then pay uh, a certain amount, $45.30. So they approved $96.77 out of the $123 the doctor wanted to get. They approved $96.77. They paid $45.30. And because I was still in my deductible period, I'm going to get a bill for $51.40. Okay, pretty exciting so far, huh? Uh, going through, oh, I found where the service was denied. I see this now. Advanced care planning discussed and documented advanced care plan or surrogate decision maker document. It doesn't even have a T at the end. I don't even know what any of this is. And so it was denied. But I think uh, a doctor or somebody tried to bill for advanced care planning. But uh, according to Medicare, no, it's not eligible for reimbursement. So once again, $123 charge and uh, $96.77 allowed to be charged. $45.30 was the actual amount paid, but uh, there was no extra payment for this denied charge. And so a few more pages. Here we are at the uh, end of the page. Uh, the last thing was another coagulation consultant or consultation and this time they billed 36 as they had before uh that was the first kind of service we talked about medicare approved ten dollars and 14 cents for some reason now this is why i would just throw these things away don't even look at them for some reason medicare paid eight dollars and nine cents remember when we first discovered the first charge that was addressed it was uh, $36 charge, Medicare approved $10.14, and they paid nothing. This time, it was $10.14 that they were uh, they approved, and they paid $8.09, leaving $2.03 for me to pay. So they warned me I'm going to get a bill for $2.03. And then the rest of this form is how to handle denied claims or file an appeal. And all the pages of languages that they offer their information in. In other words, if I didn't understand English, I could go and ask for Armenian. I could ask for French, German, Haitian Creole. Not regular Creole from Louisiana, but Haitian Creole. Italian, Japanese, Korean, Polish, Portuguese, Russian, Tagalog, or Tagalog, and Vietnamese, among others. So I think it's important that we all know that uh, if we're any from any kind of obscure tribe, like let's say Laplanders, well, there's a government official that will provide all of this stupid information in our native language. So that's what happens when you get a Medicare EOB. If you want to, you can open it up and go through, you know, traipsing down the um, the path of your medical treatment for bills that were submitted between those two dates that it says on the cover. But uh, often it's going to look like Greek uh, as opposed to Tagalog or, or Vietnamese. But that's uh, what happens when you get a Medicare summary notice 
or an explanation of benefits. And I'm guessing that I have really burned up our time today, Randy, because I started my clock late. So uh, it's it's probably oh. way past the crickets, right? Is that my bedtime yet? It should be. That ought to put anybody to sleep. <laughs> You know, while you were finishing up there, and that's it's all good information. I don't know what happened here, Doug, but while you were finishing up there, something happened to my sound system. I'm not sure what it is. Can you can you help me out? I'd be happy to, Randy. How do I help? I don't know. He's looking all around as though there's something not functioning, but he's not telling me how to help him. I don't know, Doug. Did you hear anything? I heard nothing. Oh, okay. Well, then you, we got it fixed. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me we didn't record anything, and I got to start this stupidity all over again. No, 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 no. We're recording. No problem. Oh, okay, so great. So anyway, we need to thank our audience yeah, for if you could, joining us. If you managed to survive through that rendition of Medicare or government silliness, then um, more power to you. We definitely thank you for joining us. You could have been a thousand different places, and you weren't. You were with us joining us to walk through the wonderful annual, what is it, the ANOC, the annual notice of change. We did that last time. Pay attention, Randy. This this is Medicare summary notice. Why can't I ever think of that last C means change? Of course it means change because you know that the Medicare Advantage people are trying to figure out how to stand up to their reputation of C for crap. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Actually, it's Medicare Advantage that's more crap. This yeah. is stuff the government's spitting out like uh, yeah. toilet paper. It's if, if you could use this stuff for toilet paper after you read it, it would have a double value to me. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, I am going to once again thank everyone for joining us. We all know that you could have been in many places, but you weren't. You were with us. You have just spent about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy, originally from Oklahoma, now living in the high altitudes behind Crave Creek, Arizona, enjoying his peace and solitude in his fortress of solitude. Bye-bye. 